1: Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio program featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainways.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
0: Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and this week we will be talking to Dr. Paul Fern. Paul is a writer and poet uh, and philosopher who has lived with schizophrenia since 1998. Paul has been on our show three times now to discuss his works and he once was also part of the Brainwaves team, which is fantastic. Thanks, Paul, for joining us today. It's great to have you back. That's my pleasure. (laughs) Wonderful. So now, today we're going to be discussing your latest book, Baudelaire and the Great Beyond. Have I pronounced that correctly? Indeed. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but for any of our listeners who might not have heard your previous interviews with Brainwaves, can you tell us about your own story and how you started your work as an author?
1: Certainly. Um, I was doing a Bachelor of Arts at Melbourne University and I had my first psychotic episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And at at that time, I also decided to to keep a diary. Okay. So a few, yeah, a few years went by, and I did a, a Master's at Melbourne and a PhD at La Trobe. And as I was coming towards the end of my PhD, I was reading about one of the philosophers I was working on. And I was talking about how he had a relationship with his publisher. And I thought, oh, that would be great to have a publisher. Mm-hmm. So I sent my diary off. I called it Diary of a Schizophrenic. I sent it off to a big publisher in Australia and they sent it back saying, oh, they don't normally publish things like that unless the author's already famous. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so then I Googled Mental Health Publisher and Chipmunker Publishing came up in London.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I sent my book to them and they accepted it.
0: Oh, which that's fantastic, great. yeah.
1: Book. And um, then... A few months went months passed and I was looking for a place to launch the book. And I just happened to fortuitously receive an email. I think I was on the Melbourne Writers Festival email list.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: had subscribed to it. Um, and an email came, launch your book at the Melbourne Writers Festival. So I applied and they accepted. And then fortuitously Natasha Mitchell from Radio National picked up the story and I was interviewed there and a great writing career was
0: born that's fantastic what a launching pad yeah (laughs) oh that's wonderful yeah excellent and I had no idea there was um, a publisher specifically for mental health so that's fantastic as well yeah 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 so now you have come here today to talk about your new book which is uh, Baudelaire and the Great Beyond but before we talk about that uh, would you be able to give us a rundown quickly on your other books? Sure.
1: Um, I've got a book doing quite well on Amazon at the moment. It's a Kindle book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Walking Between Raindrops. It's a, it's an autobiography. Mm-hmm. And I've written poetry and philosophy, and my PhD was published. Um, so, yeah, I've spent a lifetime writing, so I've, I've really enjoyed the process. And I, and I just, just love the process of getting a book out. It's really great.
0: Oh, fantastic, excellent. Um, and so, what motivated you to write uh, a book addressed to Charles Baudelaire? Um,
1: initially, I had a, a bit of a vision of authors, French poets from the 19th century that I wanted to write books on, so we'll see if we can get there. Mm-hmm. But I was initially uh, uh, interested in Baudelaire because of the suffering he experienced in his life. Um, mm-hmm having a mental illness, I was very, very, um, not receptive, but I was interested in, in artists who had suffering Mm -hmm. and Baudelaire did have quite a bit of suffering in his life. And at the end of his life, um, he was paralyzed and speechless. Um, and there were other bits throughout his life as well that that showed him to, to, um, to have suffering. So that's what got me interested in Baudelaire.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, it is often said that Baudelaire had a traumatic childhood, and I guess that relates to a lot of what we've just talked about. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Um,
1: Baudelaire's father died when he was quite young, mm-hmm. and he didn't get along with his stepfather. Uh, but yeah, and he actually also got expelled from school for a, a very minor thing of... Um, not returning uh, a message that was circulating through the classroom.
0: Wow. Giving it in.
1: Wow. So, yeah.
0: Okay, all right.
1: So, things like that, sort of, in your childhood.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the, the relationship, I guess, with his dad was kind of like the big catalyst that started this all happening for him? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, Baudelaire's first collections of poems, now, I, I, you'll have to correct me if I don't pronounce this properly that's fine. uh Le Fleur de Mel is that correct that's, yeah that's great yeah excellent all right so which translates to The Flowers of Evil which was written in 1857 was quite controversial at the time can you tell us a bit about the collection and why it was seen as so controversial and do you think it would be received this um would be received today or how do you think it uh, would in, be received today
1: yeah in uh France in the 19th century it was the book was put on trial for an outcry against public decency Um, so Baudelaire was fined and his publisher was fined and six of the poems were suppressed from the volume Wow it wasn't until wasn't until the uh, mid part of the 20th century that the poems were reinstated into the volume that had been originally been um, taken out and um, so so yeah, he. Uh, it was that was a controversy of the day.
0: Mm. And and do you know um, why those poems, like why they were seen to be quite so controversial? What the content um, was.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the exact poems off the mm. top of my head. Yeah, that's um, right. That were yeah, mm. um, but that that was the reason for the controversy. Yeah. Um, very interestingly. Uh, Victor Hugo wrote a letter to Baudelaire after the trial and um, sort of congratulated him on the book and all that.
0: Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. Excellent. And for our listeners, do you want to explain who Victor Hugo is? Uh, He's the author of Les Miserables. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Fantastic. He seems to have a lot of connections, which is really interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So... Do you think that um, Baudelaire's trip to India shaped his first collection of poems, uh, Le Fleur de Mal, which is, as I said before, The Flowers of Evil, in 1857? And if so, how? Um, yeah,
1: something I me is saying yes, um, <laughs> but just a bit of a bit of a background to the story. You know, yeah. Uh, Baudelaire was living in the Latin Quarter of Paris, yeah. living a very bohemian lifestyle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and his stepfather didn't approve so his stepfather came up with the idea to help shake Baudelaire of his bohemian ways to send him on a a very long sea voyage and that sea voyage was in fact to Calcutta uh, in India so (laughs) quite a voyage from France Um, and so they, they embarked upon their journey and they got about three quarters of the way there and a storm uh, did some damage to the ship which needed repairing so they went to Mauritius um, and Baudelaire approached the captain and said look I'm, I'm going home and the captain said oh no just one more stop just one more stop we'll, we'll make it to the next stop mm-hmm. and if you still, still feel you need to go home we can go, you can go home mm. um, so Baudelaire agreed and they got to reunion and Baudelaire still insisted so I he went back home And he got home and he had all these wonderful stories to tell to his bohemian friends.
0: (laughs) So it kind of backfired then, didn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he he continued on to live in the bohemian milieu.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, so his father, or his stepfather, was, was it his father or his stepfather? Stepfather. Stepfather, that's what I thought, yeah. He um d- didn't get the uh, response that he was hoping for with that no, little he didn't. trip. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I did read that the work of um Edgar Allan Poe was translated by Baudelaire uh, and brought to French-speaking audiences. And we talked a bit about the connections, I guess. Do you think that Baudelaire felt some sort of kinship with Poe's work as well?
1: Yeah, it definitely did. Um, It definitely started something in 19th century century France, Mm. for uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Um, Those translations became very influential. I know Malamé read them. Uh, Another 19th century French poet who was Mm -hmm. well-known. Malamé read uh, the translations. Um, But also uh, Baudelaire had a, a strong liking, a strong affinity to Poe's, uh, aesthetic theories. Yeah. So, um, Baudelaire had an aesthetic theory of his own, which you could see how it could fit into Poe's universe as well. Mm-hmm. Baudelaire felt that ugly things could be beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and so you can see in in Poe's work a certain ugliness that can that can maybe at the end of a story appear beautiful,
0: mm. or even romanticized. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Excellent. The last time that you were here on Brainwaves, uh, we talked about uh, your previous book about Rimbab. Uh Now, I know Rimbaud was uh, inspired by Baudelaire. They were both seen to live, I guess, a reckless lifestyle. Um, do you think they have anything else in common? Yeah, they both had suffering
1: in common. hmm um, And what they did was they both transformed transform that suffering into words. Now, I'm not too sure what it is about poetry and suffering in words,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or art for that instance, because artists also sometimes lead very difficult lives, but with poets, somehow suffering gets transferred into words. Um,
0: yeah, that seems to be quite common with a lot of the of the. Um, the older poets they do and obviously probably now too as well that it's that they can't I don't know they seem to have a, um, a they, they really relate to their suffering and that turns into some beautiful work. That's right yeah and um, yeah. it's um,
1: I would argue uh, when you encounter suffering you sort of almost uh, get into a heightened state of consciousness.
0: Oh. I don't know whether
1: it's a Darwinian survival instinct or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you get into certain forms of suffering in, in certain ways, you can produce great art or great poetry. Yeah. Or...
0: yeah. No, I was going to say that art's very similar to that. And I would say poetry is almost an art, would you not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it is well. Documented that Baudelaire struggled with his mental health, which we've just talked about. There has been, uh, there has even been mentioned that he attempted suicide later in life. If he were a word, uh, were alive today, what diagnosis do you think he might have?
1: Um, probably bipolar, I'd say. He okay. um, experienced long periods of inactivity, mm-hmm. uh, um, inertness, almost. And where he couldn't work on anything productive. And productive uh, for Baudelaire was to create some sort of literature. Um, and he, But then there were times, for instance, when he was overlooking the proofs of Fleur de Mal. He was functioning at a very, very high level. He was being so particular with with the proofs and making sure it was all perfect and... And so I, I guess I guess Baudelaire, uh, I guess bipolar was best. Fit that. Fit that, yeah.
0: Yeah, all right. Do you think if Baudelaire was alive today and was able to receive treatment for, say, bipolar, that he would have had a different lifestyle?
1: He would have done. It would have been different. There still would have been suffering. I, I, I'm a big advocate of medication, mm. um, and I still suffer and try and convert that into words
0: i don't seek out suffering but if it happens i just use it to your advantage that's
1: right (laughs) negative into a positive yeah
0: no that's fantastic and why not make something beautiful with it
1: indeed yeah yeah that's, that's very true
0: yeah a lot of poets from this period seem to be clouded by mental health issues i mentioned that just before uh trauma and drug addiction um is it possible uh, this has contributed to artistic ability of these poets and why do you think we never see poets who aren't tormented in some way yeah it's uh, i'll come back it's a point worth
1: uh, reiterating i think um somehow and i'll expand upon this a little bit too um somehow for those who suffer they can create Mm. but i would argue it can happen in other walks of life too doesn't necessarily have to happen within the creative arts um i'm not i haven't thought enough about it to really um explain it properly but Uh just um imagine if people could channel their suffering into what they do
0: yeah so that That bring out that passion yeah anyway Mm. it's just a thought but yeah no that's a good um, thought yeah and do you think that the um That's why we don't really see poets that aren't tormented because it is such a tool for them?
1: It it, it is. It's just inextricably
0: linked, I think. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I read that the band The Cure were inspired by Baudelaire's work. Do you know of any other modern-day artists that take inspiration from Charles Baudelaire? I
1: know a famous poet in Melbourne. I won't say his name, but... um... We were we were talking, and um, he was reading my Rimbaud book. Ah, awesome. He was giving, yeah, it was awesome. And he uh, was giving some criticisms, and I, I said to him, bah, I've just done the same to Baudelaire. And he just looked at me with <laughs> a pretty calm face and said, Baudelaire, my first love. <laughs>
0: oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, I,
1: yeah, so I think that would be a common appreciation of Baudelaire amongst poets at least.
0: Yeah definitely I, I got that vibe from uh, reading about him myself so yeah I, yeah. Lo- I love that. Um, have you found that Baudelaire's poetry has been helpful in any way during your own struggle with mental illness?
1: Yeah I don't travel anymore but like when I used to travel um, I used to always made sure I had a copy of Baudelaire's prose poems with me mm-hmm. and uh, that that, that proved to be very influential. I, I do a lot of work in prose poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that volume, I don't know if I still have it, but it's somewhere, maybe somewhere in my house. Oh, fantastic. And, um,
0: so it's travelled well with you?
1: It, it's gone many places, yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and does any of Charles Baudelaire's work speak to you on a personal level? Um, and if you—if so, would you mind sharing any of his work that you can think of?
1: Sure. Oh, just one second. Yep. I'll get the book. Cool. Um, this relates a little bit to uh, Baudelaire's a sex theory I mentioned earlier in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Beauty. Mm-hmm. And so if you recall, ugly things can be beautiful for Baudelaire. So I'll just read the poem. Yeah. Beauty. I am fair, oh mortals, as a dream of stone, and my bosom on which each man has bruised himself in turn, is made to inspire in the poet a love eternal and dumb as matter. I reign in the azure heights like a sphinx whom no one understands. I combine a heart of snow with the whiteness of swans. I hate movement which disturbs lions, and never do I weep and never do I laugh. Poets faced by my grand poses, which I seem to have borrowed from proudest monuments, will use up their days in austere studies for i have something to keep those those soul lovers enthralled pure mirrors which make all things more beautiful my eyes my white eyes with their eternal brightness
0: so yes wow yeah that's gorgeous i think i'm going to have to uh look at more of charles's work and and see what i can find yeah
1: indeed it's uh it's a it's a very rich corpus
0: yeah definitely well, before we wrap up, wrap up today, can you tell us um, where our listeners can purchase your new book, uh, Baudelaire and the Great Beyond?
1: Certainly. Um, it's an online book, so it's available online.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Amazon in Australia have it, Amazon in the US have it, uh, Barnes and Noble have it. Fantastic. Uh, very. I was very pleased to see that... Um, uh, Blackwells and Oxford on their online store have it. Um, Book Depository, I think, have it. And uh, Waterstones have it. Um, There are a few of my other books as well Mm -hmm. that are available in other places. Um,
0: Yeah, do you want to mention uh, them as well? Sure, can I? Yeah, go for it.
1: Uh, Booktopia has some of my books, and Angus and Robinson Online has some of my books, and Readings Online has some of my books.
0: Very good. That sounds good. And I think with everyone being in you know, isolation and needing things to do at the moment, I think reading would be a great way to spend some time and, and connecting with your work and connecting with Rimbaud and connecting with Baudelaire, so that's great.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult time, but um, we'll get there.
0: Absolutely. And if anyone wanted to reach out and connect with you at all, is there a way that anyone can do that? Do you have a Facebook or Instagram or anything like that?
1: Probably Twitter. My Twitter. handle on Twitter is at Literary Leaves.
0: Yep. Say that again.
1: At uh, Literary Leaves.
0: Yeah, at Literary Leaves. Yep. Excellent. So people can reach nice out job. to you there. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thank you, uh, Paul, for coming on the show today and sharing about your book with our listeners. It has been great to have you back on the show. And if you do write another book, I hope that you'll come back and talk to us about it as well. Oh, great. Yeah, so thanks everyone and you can find more of our shows at our website brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for the show via email at brainwaves Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.